Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We're just going to get started on the second meeting. My name is Andrew Chung, and this is my friend Ahmed Jallo. Can everyone hear me? Is that all right? Okay. And we're just here to share our testimony on how God is using us in the Loma Linda area. And I thank everyone for being here. And the title of our, our message to you guys today is, When God Calls You, What Do You Do and, and How Do You Do It? So we're going to start off with a word of prayer. We can all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to get together. I uh, thank you for the testimonies that you've given each of us. I pray, Lord, that right now you just send your Holy Spirit to speak to each and every person in here. Inspire us and help us to, to go forth and do, do like you do to, did in your life and, uh, and engage in ministry, Lord. Um, be with each and every one of my words. I pray that it might not be me speaking, but it might be you speaking through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, how many of you have ever been asked to do something? Ever. Like, any, anything. Alright, so we got 30% of people. That's impressive. So, you know, when God asks you to do something, it's much different from when a person asks you to do something. And I'm just going to go through some Bible characters who were called and to do something and just see how they responded. Because, you know, you think, oh, you're holy. God actually tells you to do something. You'd expect a response like, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. I mean, you made your will so clear. Of course I'm going to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so our first character is Jonah. So if you can turn to Jonah chapter 1, or you can look up here. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come before me. So God is telling Jonah, arise, go tell Nineveh that their wickedness is coming to me. And they're, they're threatening with destruction because of this. So does Jonah say, yes, Lord, I'm going to go right now. I'm going to preach the message. No. We, we all know the story. <laughs> so in, in verse 3, it says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish to the presence of the Lord. Right? Yeah. No. He rose <laughs> from the presence of the Lord. He was trying to run from God. How many think they can run from God? Yeah? <laughs> Any track stars? So he's trying to run from God. That was his response. The next character is Jeremiah. He's actually my nephew. So, <laughs> so Jeremiah, we, know all, we all know he was young when he was called. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. So God is telling Jeremiah, I'm calling you to be a prophet. How does Jeremiah initially respond? Let's go to the next verse. In verse 6 it says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. I'm too young to go out, Lord. Like, uh, there's no adults to guide me or show me what to do. So why would you call me to do this? Everyone's going to look at me and say, no, you're a child, you're too young. That's the common excuses that we use these days. What about the next character, Moses? Now, Moses is interesting because he has like, it's almost like he had a list of excuses and they're all ready for in case he got called back to Egypt. And so it says, come now, therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So he's called to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And how does Moses respond? 
So first he says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So the first thing he questions God with is, Who am I? Like, what credentials do I have, Lord? I'm a shepherd right now. Why would I go to Pharaoh, the top of Egypt, and go tell him to let go of all his slaves? So then the next, Moses answered and said, so God, you know, lets him know that he'll cover that. But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. They're not going to believe me when I go out there. If I'm passing out books, you know, the atheist is not going to believe me that God exists. Or different beliefs, they're not going to believe what I'm saying. So what's the point of going out there? And the next, next excuse he makes is probably something a lot of us can feel like we relate to. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since you have spoken unto your servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Basically, I'm not a good talker, Lord. I don't know how to address Pharaoh or how to even go about doing this because I don't, I don't even know how to talk. And if I can't talk, how am I supposed to tell them or convince them to let, let go of your people? So why am I bringing this up? Am I saying that, you know, as God's people, we should be making excuses to God? No, definitely not. But I'm just bringing these up because it's, I went through a similar experience in my life. And just some quick background. I was born in Trinidad and I was raised in New York City. And throughout that time, I didn't really care too much about God. I mean, it's kind of, I was living in the city, I'd go to church, I was raised in the Adventist church, but God to me was never real. I got to high school and we moved from New York City to, to Florida. We moved to a really small town, like, you know, compared to New York, it was like one, one thousandth of the size. So we moved there and I was, I was pretty upset because, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to go to the NBA. I was on the road to the NBA. <laughs> my friends were like, yeah, you're, you're good. So, well, praise God, I, I went to Florida. So, and I'm in high school, and I find God at the church I go to. I experience the love of God through that church and all the members. Very small church. And that's when I, I start to look into my calling, like, God, what do you want me to do? I came upon a book. My brother came up from Oakwood College, and he brought us, uh, what was it called? Councils on Diets and Foods. I was like, oh, okay, it's interesting. Started reading it. I was like, wow, this is powerful. I'm like, I never even heard about this stuff. And in it, it says, the medical missionary work is like the last work before the close of time. I was like, oh, what? So I'm going to be involved in the medical missionary work. Whereas before, I had always said, medicine looks crazy. Like these doctors, they're always working all day. And that looks like a hard life. I just want an easy life, relax, you know. And then God says, nope, that's exactly where I want you to go. I want you to do medical missionary work. I say, okay, God, I'll do it. So now I'm on the medical path of life. Go through college, get to medical school. I'm pursuing medical missionary. That's my goal. So in medical school, God says, I want you to pass out books. I was like, Lord, pass out books? Like, I'm a shy guy, so I don't want to talk to people at the door. And then you're going to asked me to pass out books it's like so for I debated with it and then eventually kind of mustered up the strength I was like all right you know what if I'm gonna go I'm gonna get a few people to go with me (laughs) and then so I'm at a potluck and a lot of my friends are there and we're just talking and you know it hits that time where everyone's like debating should I go to sleep or you know what should I do next I'm like all right 
I'm going to ask everybody, let's go pass out books around this neighborhood. I mean, this doesn't look like an Adventist community or anything. So let's just go out and do it door to door. So I throw the idea out there. You know, a few heads go down, conversations end, and I'm like, ooh, like, did I just do something? Like, it was really awkward. The few people were like, yeah, let's go. I was like, all right, yeah, let's go. So like eight of us go out, and we're, we're sharing, you know, passing out steps of Christ. And I tell the Lord, like, oh, that was so, so awkward. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to do that again. So don't call me to do that again. You know, you call me to medical missionary work, let me focus on medical missionary work. I'm just going to train to be a medical missionary. Not literature evangelism, that's, that's a whole different category. So God keeps calling me. He's like, you know, I want you to pass out books. And I say, okay, so a handful of times I do the same thing again, like potluck, ruin everything, everyone's heads down. <laughs> it's super awkward. So I'm like, man, Lord, you know what? You really call me to medical missionary work. You know, if like maybe the pastor or evangelism director goes out, I'll go out. But, and I'll always go out. But if you want me to lead it out, I don't think so. It's not going to happen. So from then on, I kind of just went on a phase where no more going out like that ever again. No more literature evangelism, just focus on medical missionary work. And honestly, it wasn't really medical missionary work. It's more like medical studies until I get to medical missionary work after becoming a doctor. So it's kind of like no ministry. So I get, I get into residency. God opens those doors. I'm in ophthalmology residency. But there's a year of general medicine, and I, I don't do anything that year. Finally, I get to ophthalmology residency, and it's, it's my second year out of medical school. Um, the same mentality, and I go to Advent Hope one morning, and the preacher is speaking about how Satan, he approaches the church by two main attacks. He'll use persecution, he'll persecute the saints, and for some reason the church would just grow with persecution. So he would say, you know, let me ease off and introduce deception. And then that whole concept to me was like, wow, that's, that's deep. And it really hit me to the heart. So at the end, he makes an interesting appeal. He's like, we're in Loma Linda. We have this neighboring city, San Bernardino, and no one's really reaching it 100%. And I was just like, that's a good point. And at that point, I say, I actually want to share something I told God. So this is my old response, and then my new response to God. After this is, does anyone journal? You should journal, like, it's powerful. Like, God does some amazing things, and he wants you to write it down. So this is what I wrote in my journal on August 9th. God, you have an awesome mission to be accomplished. Today you gave us such a powerful message from your servant regarding the devil's tactics of deception and persecution. God, today marks the day I begin my dedication to your work. I'm tired of sitting around, fooling around, being shy and bashful, running away from responsibility. I work and work and work. All I think about is myself, getting rest, exercising, <laughs> some practical things. Help me to stop thinking about me. How can I engage in your work? Help me, show me, lead me. Thank you, Lord. And on that day, I said, God, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if I don't like speaking up front because I get nervous. I don't care if I, I don't like going door to door because I'm naturally an introvert. I'll do anything you ask me to do. So at this point, with an open heart, God reintroduces the thought. I want you to go door to door. And I say, 
okay, I'll do it. I'll do it if it's just me. I'll do it if all my friends go, if a whole army goes, I'll do it. So I do the same thing I did last time. I try to find somebody to go with me. So, <laughs> so I'm asking around, asking my friends, like, yeah, you know, I was thinking about going out, make it real easy. I'm like, I'm an introvert, so let's make a plan so it's easy to say it at the door. It's like, well, let's get some Noah books. You know, Remnant Publications is making these Noah books. The Noah movie just came out. You can just go to the door and say, hey, you know, Noah just came out, and we just want to share the true story. It's like, that's easy. So I get about 10 people to say yes. And then our first day out is August 30th. I get about, you know, I get a bunch of phone calls. Oh, yeah, I can't make it. Can't make it. Can't make it. But one of the people who said yes was Ahmed. And he's like, yeah, I can make it. I was like, okay, it's us too then. Let's go. So we meet at my house, and it's crazy how the devil works. It's like he's trying to get you out of it. I never really forget my keys in the house, but I walk out with a box of notebooks, and it's locked the door behind me. I don't know how I locked the door because I'm holding the box. Oh, yeah, Ahmed locked the door. <laughs> 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 Ahmed closed the door behind him. I'm like, oh. Oh, I forgot my keys. So I'm like, man, we can't drive to the area now. So I'm like, oh, what do we do now? Med's like, I can call Junior. He has a car and he can, maybe he could take us. So we call Junior. Junior's like, oh, you guys waiting, okay waiting an hour? It's like, yeah, sure. We can wait an hour. I mean, we can't do anything else. So then, because I mean, the option was there. You cannot go out. Or you can go out. You, can, you have that excuse. So Junior, Junior comes an hour later. We're on our way. Get a phone call. Hey, did you guys go out yet? I know like, we didn't go out. We're about to leave right now. It's to Dean and actually Andre. They're like, yeah, yeah, we want to go too. So then I'm like, all right, we'll meet you at the gas station. We're almost there. So we wait. And now it's like, to me, it's an army. It's like four or five of us. So then... <laughs> So we go out, we pass out like over 50 Noah books in this community, cover four blocks. And I'm just excited. I'm like, wow, that was great. We need to do this all the time. So then, um, just some background on what, what was going on in my life around this time. You know, this was the time in my life where really I had the greatest excuses to not go out. You know, I could have told somebody, yeah, I can't go out today. And they'd been like, oh yeah, we totally understand. I'd probably got, you know, a lot of praise and approval from because I'm in residency and I'm working over 80 hours a week. And that's like two full-time jobs. Like I don't even, I'd have to do prepare for presentations when I'm not at work. And basically, I didn't, I didn't even know what sleep was. Like when I was at home, I was sleeping, wake up, eat, hopefully, and then go to work. There were times I would work over 40 hours straight. Well, don't tell anybody, but, <laughs> but it's, it's just a different system. and. Even on Friday night, sometimes I'll be on call. So I just finished working like 28 hours. And then I could say, you know, I just worked on post call. I don't need to go out and I'm a little tired. But God was like, what, whatever, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I went out every Sabbath that I was available. When I wasn't on call, I was out there. And, and I've never regretted it for a day. I've never felt tired. Like, oh, I'm so exhausted because I went out on Sabbath. But I felt great, and seeing all the people go out as well, it's inspired me. When I see Ahmed go out, even though in medical school you have weekends off, um, <laughs> I'll be like, man, Ahmed, you're faithful, you're consistent, you motivate me. So, so then, 
So then I go to Advent Hope and I talk to them and say, I talk to Reed actually, the first person I talk to. Say, you know, I have this notebook project. We're just trying to, because I'm trying to get more people involved. It's like, you know, we just want to see if I can make a pitch. And I'm, right now I'm paying out of pocket, which is fine, but I just want to get more people involved. And then he's like, well, right now we probably can't fund the notebooks. I was like, oh man, this is about to be a no. He's like, but we do have this crate of great controversies. It's like over 2,000. It's like, what? 2,000? Oh my goodness. It's, can I pass them out? He's like, yeah, sure. So by then, we changed from notebooks to great controversy books. Now we're giving out great controversies. We'll tell people, hey, you should come out. Our, gro- our group is growing. And we're telling everybody we know. So then I, w- I would encourage feedback because I, w- I was reading about leadership and how, how to approach leadership. And I was like, oh, you got to get feedback from people, got, you know, constantly grow and improve. So we get feedback at the end. And then one day people are like, you know, why do we pass out great controversy? We could pass out like the Bible. We could pass out Bibles in the community. Another person was like, yeah, you know, great controversy is kind of complex. I don't know how many people are going to read that or understand it. We could pass out like steps to Christ, start with something simple. I was like, yeah, that's, that actually makes sense. But so I was like, I didn't know how to respond to that. I was just like, well, you know, we have 2,000 great controversies, so I figured we should pass them out. So, <laughs> so then it was so funny. Someone comes up to me and they're like, you know, that's where we're encouraged to pass out. I'm so thankful that you're passing out great controversy. That's where we're instructed to pass out. I was like, who told us to pass out great controversy? Is this like a church mission I don't know about? So I ran into this quote when I was reading in, in Cole Porter Ministry, and it was just so powerful. It says, the great controversy should be very widely circulated. It contains the story of the past, the present, and the future. In its outline of the closing scenes of this earth's history, it bears a powerful testimony in behalf of the truth. I am more anxious, more anxious to see a wide circulation for this book than for any others I have written. For in the great controversy, the last message of warning to the world is given more distinctly than in any of my books. And I was like, wow, Lord, that's all you because I didn't pick great controversy. Great controversy was the book that opened up and we just passed it out. So now I'm like, Anthony, I'm like, God, you're really guiding us. So now I'm like, you know, why, Lord, why, why should we pass out books? You know, your controversy doesn't make sense. And I had to read it with a dictionary at the side when I read it because I didn't understand what half the words were. So I felt like every sentence I was in my dictionary, like, oh, yeah, bulwarks. What's that? So then I ran across this other quote in Cole Porter Ministry. It says, God will soon do great things for us. If we lie humble and believing at his feet, more than 1,000 will soon be converted in one day, most of whom will trace their first convictions to the reading of our publications. And just to share a powerful testimony, uh, we just recently had some follow-up on people that we went to their house and they're interested in studying the Bible. So we were giving them Amazing Facts, the first Bible study guide, and we would hear so many testimonies of people saying, you know, we started reading that book. It's very interesting. And it was just like, wow. And the rate that we were getting this response of they started reading the book was so high. And I was like, if we passed out over 4,000 already and it's about, you know, 10% already started reading it, which is what it felt like based on the testimonies, that means that about 400 people already started reading Great Controversy. I'm like, wow. So now I'm like, even though this book is so difficult in our minds, people are reading it. 
they're, they're seeking the truth. They're anxious to know what's going on in the world and why it's happening. So then, God places this vision on my heart. It's like, Lord, I want to do your mission work, but I want to do it effectively. I don't want to just be half-stepping. I don't like doing things with uh, half of my heart. I want to just go all the way. So he keeps me up a few nights, even though I don't get sleep already. Keeps me up a few nights thinking about this, like how can we do something great? So he places this vision in my heart. You know, approach ministry like the military does when they approach war, because this is warfare. So I'm like, okay, war, they have the army, navy, air force, etc. So I lay out this plan. This is the exact slide I laid out that day. Marine Corps, Bible study workers, they're like the front line. They got to go to the houses, meet the people directly in their house and share the word of God. It's like, that's the front line. So then army, door-to-door books, that's what we're doing. We're passing out great controversies, offering Bible studies, seeing if people are interested and then getting the Marine Corps involved. Navy, coordinating children's programs to meet the needs of the little kids. And then Air Force, healthy lifestyle promotion, the health message. I mean, medical missionary work, that's the primary call. And then medics, people that take care of us because we're going to need some taken care of. And, and I just pray over this. I pray over it nightly. And I just learned so much from God. He's like, you know what? You don't have time to do anything. You don't have time to recruit people. But I'll set it up all for you. I'll show you the power of prayer. When you ask me things and you put your heart into it, I'll take care of it. So I'm praying over these things. And God, God sends the Navy. So like my roommate divinely is involved in a children's program at a church in the lower income communities. I was like, wow, that's perfect. We could just send them to the children's program. So the door opens up for that. And then the Air Force, although we can call it something else, but <laughs> healthy lifestyle promotion. I start meeting these people. Like I met Tad Warku, and my roommate was, uh, is a dental student and deeply involved in Amen. So now I'm starting to coordinate with Amen. It's like, you know, I can get your guys' stuff out there. We could just tell the community when we go out. So now the health aspect of it starts coming together. And now the next thing we're praying about is the Marine Corps, because we need the Bible workers out there. Uh, following up with people for Bible studies, going to these houses and meeting people when they're right. So that's the next phase, and I see God working to set that up. So, so finally, it gets to the point where we want to change it from a vision to a movement. We're trying to get this thing huge, and we're preparing for it, because I know, based on the things that are going on in this world today, that God is, is starting a movement. And I hear from different, different cities, different states, talking to people, like things are happening, like a movement is starting, and God is, God is definitely returning soon. And I want to be a part of that movement. And now Ahmed's going to share just some testimonies on experiences that we've had. Good afternoon. <laughs> So um, I just like to praise God for being a part of this. I just, just, just entered um, from leaving Oakwood um, University and coming here after um, just years of doing um, volunteer work to come here. And there was a burden on my heart to come here and do volunteering somehow, some way. And when this um, going out to give out books, the great controversy, no books started happening. I was like, yes, this is it. And then all of a sudden I realized that, yes, this is it. And I'm going to be one of the leaders helping. <laughs> so how many people sometimes feel like they're afraid of leadership? Yeah. 
Okay, so good. I'm not alone. Yay. But um, man, sometimes God takes those same people because he knows that they'll depend the most on him. So um, one thing that I've learned about this volunteering is, um, you can show the next picture, is that sometimes you just want to do that. Um, God will tug on your heart or you'll get butterflies. You know, I have butterflies right now, but you know what I've learned about butterflies? You can either get scared and continue to think about them as you're scared, or you can think about them as you're about to get into something that you've never done before, you know? And people turn um, anxiety into so many different things. You know, I hear that public speakers always have this. And for us, we're going out to give something more than just a speech. We're giving people Jesus Christ. And so um, this is just an example of how I feel actually every Sabbath when we go out. I don't know about you, but when people go up in the front and I hear a message and I'm like, man, I know I should be doing something, you know? And it's like once in a while I'll be thinking in my head, but I don't really want to, you know, to be honest. So one side of me is like, I really know this is right, but the other side is like, I don't want to. And some of the things, um, as illustrated by my friend here, is I want to sleep. Um, medical school is a shock to me. I've never worked so hard in my life. But there's people like Andrew Chung, who I look up to, and he's like, hey, man, we going out tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, you didn't sleep, what? <laughs> and then an excuse in my mind is taken away. You, you see that? And um, other people... Um, like, I'll have friends who I've invited during the week, and they're like, yeah, you're going out tomorrow, right? And I'm like, you know, I got to go. So one such testimony, you can go to the next picture, is um, God is touching us all. So there was one Sabbath when I went out that I, for some reason, this Sabbath, or maybe this week, I was just beating down. Anybody ever had a week where you're just beating down and Sabbath, you're just, you're just trying to nurse your own wounds, right? <laughs> so this Sabbath was one of those, and I went out anyway, and... Actually, a lot of people in the room were there, and <laughs> one of them had to take me away from the door. So basically, the story goes, I was giving out books with a friend, and we were giving out probably about 10 people, 10 doors, and the 10th or 11th door, and we're not even halfway through the time we're out there, is a woman there, and we give her the book, and she's like, I don't want it. I'm like, okay. I didn't even tell her what it's about, you know, and she's saying, you know, is it about the Bible? And I'm like, yes, it's about the Bible. You're a Christian. Great. You know, trying to encourage her to take the great controversy. And she says, you know what? I only need the Bible. And from what I've learned is that God really is touching people in the communities. You know, we're not the savior. God is the savior. He's already touching the hearts during the week. We just go. And if they're ripe, then, you know, you pick them off the tree. Have anybody, has anybody ever had a non-ripe mango or non-ripe fruit you don't want to have a non-ripe fruit wait till it's ripe you know so that's what we're doing on sabbath and this woman i could see she had to walk with the lord so i'm like great but then she proceeded to encourage me and i had said already that i was going through something and i was also getting sick as well and she was mentioning to me she's been to doctor after doctor and i'm studying to be a doctor <laughs> she'd been to um so many people just telling her you know it's all in your head she was sick she was terminally ill. She was going through many different things that she couldn't even describe. And she said the only thing that changed to make her healthy was when she came to Jesus fully. Everything that they saw, medical, all the, the list of symptoms, everything, all the time, every doctor, we don't know what's wrong with you. It's in your head. But she said, she was just encouraging me. I'm pretty sure she's not in my denomination. She was saying the power of God's word. God is amazing. Jesus is all you need. And I mean, I think she actually did, or her family did, take the great controversy. But I left that door after one of my friends pulled me away after 
five minutes of talking to her <laughs> that, man, God is so powerful. You know, this is the God that we're serving and we're giving out these books. We don't know what's going to be as a result of it. But not only that, during the week, we have access to so much power. What kind of God am I serving? You know, this person had to come and minister to me. Praise the Lord. But that day has been etched in my mind. So I just want to encourage everyone when you feel like it's so hard to go out, realize you don't want to miss the blessing. God has a blessing out there for you to encourage you and to minister to your soul. But there's another testimony of uh, just a picture of the New York Minute. Um, in New York, anybody been to New York here? Raise your hand. Yeah, New York, everybody's on the move. Everybody's got something to do. And that's where I'm from. And um, I was having a talk and a conversation with friends because, you know, when you really, really like something, nobody has to tell you to go and share it, you know? And I noticed that I was really enjoying this. I'm like, man, I need to invite people. I'm scared, but I'll invite them anyway. And I prayed and started inviting people. And some people who are um, in church and involved and have done ministry before, we were just talking. And he was just mentioning to me a conversation he had with his friend, like, man, giving out books, you know, I don't think it's that effective anymore. You know, there's been a lot of different things going on in the world, and we're trying to change evangelism. And one of the best ways is um, Christ method alone. You know, you spend time with the person and make sure that you try and lead them to Jesus slowly, you know, taking them as, as they can go. And I was like, man, you're right, you know, man, should we still be doing this? <laughs> you know, and I already, you know, giving out books, um, it's kind of still scary to me. But I thought about that, and I went out anyway. And I went out that next day, and our very last house, I'll never forget it, a guy opened the door, and he's like, ha, 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 you guys are really good. I'm like, he doesn't even know what we're doing yet. <laughs> and he's like, man, you guys are really doing this? This is awesome. You guys are about the Bible? He's like, and I give him the book, and I'm so surprised. And at this time, we're taking Bible study contacts who are interested. So I'm like, man, ask this guy if he wants Bible studies to the next step. And I asked him, hey, do you want Bible studies? He's like, ha, 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 ha. no, 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 I don't have time for that. <laughs> but I'll take the book. And it clicked in my head. Wow, there are people who have absolutely no time for Bible studies. But because we're giving them these books, just like the quote said, thousands will be converted in a day. They'll be probably reading in their workplace, seeing the TV with everything happening that's in the book, reading the publication date of that book, sharing with their coworkers. Who knows, <laughs> you know? And though we can't send a Bible worker there and he has no time, we did our part. So it's a, like the, um, it's, it, we're a body, amen? <laughs> we're a body and just showing you, man, this, this part, this part of the body is very, very powerful. So um, one of the uh, last testimonies I'll share is um, having faith for others and talking to God together. Um, sometimes uh, I was told this summer by somebody I really look up to who really, really prays for the Holy Spirit. He says, sometimes we can um, have the idea that when we say, I'll pray for you, it's almost like you're talking down to them. But he was just encouraging me to have the mindset, not necessarily to not say, I'll pray for you, but to have the mindset, I'll pray with you. And so um, one of the last few weeks, um, actually probably in June, we went out and I had invited one of my friends. And um, for some reason, uh, I, I hesitated to ask her because <laughs> I didn't know what her response would be. But she said, yeah, I'll go out. And she went out. It was her first time in California for a long time. And we went out. And our last door, our very last door, there was a woman there. She came out. And we were talking with her, shared with her what we were there for. And we wanted to pray with her and give her the great controversy. And 
And the way the conversation was going, my friend that got invited and one of my other friends, her name is Trina, they started to encourage her and she just started tearing, crying, just telling us all of her problems. And we were not gonna go to that door at all. We were done. Actually, we were probably tired and maybe sweaty. And it was hot outside and we wanted to go. And the car was right there, ready for us to go. And this woman broke down, she told us everything really that was on her heart. And after that, we were able to pray with her, encourage her with the specific verses and words that she needed that one of my friends, the one that I invited, actually was going through the same or similar situation. And she left so encouraged. And my same friend, you know, on Sunday, she was like, you know, sometimes we need to do more than pray. She gave me numbers we were able to give to her. And the next week we came. I was like, yeah, we're going to do Bible studies. This is what she asked for. Trying to follow up. And it turns out she was kicked out from that same room the very next week. I was like, wow, Lord, your timing is so perfect. You know, we could have said, we'll finish up that block. And we did finish up the other houses, but God's timing is so perfect. And I couldn't have touched her. The same thing with everyone in this room. There's some people that only you can touch. No matter how experienced I may be, <laughs> there's someone only you can reach. And if you don't go, what's gonna happen to the person that needed your touch? God touching them through you. So I just wanna encourage you, um, Man, that really spoke volumes to me. We were able to give a great controversy to that person there, but it just showed me, man, um, man, Lord, um, as much as I can, I want to be out there um, consistently. So just um, some closing thoughts. Uh, we're all in our own worlds. <laughs> we all have things to do, and um, I don't think we'll ever be any less busier. I don't think we'll ever be, um, I don't think we'll ever have less problems in life, honestly. Um, from the little kids up to adults, we all have problems that are, meeting um, really what we can handle because of God's grace. But he'll give us the grace to get through that. And part of that is opening our eyes around us. So this testimony is from um, being in a medical center waiting for my friend. Um, I was just sitting there and my finger, um, it was jammed. It was hurt and it was actually in a cast before a little um, brace. And the woman was sitting next to me. She sat down and she saw me and I was reading my textbook, you know, trying to be a good, diligent student. And she kept looking at my finger. And I was like, why is this woman looking at my finger? All right, I'll just wait till she talks to me. And she talks to me. And before she spoke to me, I thought, man, Lord, sometimes there are probably times where you're looking down at us and you're seeing the pain in one person and the other person can't see it. And you're just wishing that they would touch the other person. So then she started talking to me. I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. So she asked me, hey, what happened? And I explained to her, you know, my finger got jammed. I was playing catch. And then she said, oh, okay. And I said, you know what, praise the Lord. There's so many blessings. And I just was thankful for the blessings that I was mentioning to her. She's like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, what are you here for? And I thought she was waiting for someone. You know, she didn't look like anything bad was going on. And she was like, actually, I'm waiting for my daughter. I have stage four cancer. They just took me off of chemotherapy because they can't do anything for me. Um, they were giving me um, pain medication, but they have to stop. And they just don't know what to do. So yeah <laughs> and remember my thought <laughs> like wow you know sometimes we're just in our own worlds who knows what the other person's going through right next to us and right then her daughter came and it's just as i was about to talk to her and i'm like man you know i kind of feel like man did i blow it like was i supposed to say something and someone else came too and i thought it was them again so i was like oh let me say something but honestly i missed it because i was so into my own world 
And um, yeah, that really, I'm not gonna lie, that really, that really changed me. That really changed my life to see that even though um, my world can seem like it's crumbling down, it's really little in comparison to what other people are going through. So I just wanna encourage you, you know, um, if you're in a room and it was really, really cold outside and one of your family members was outside and you were, they were in a state that you were nowhere close to and one of your friends was in the building with all the heat in the world that they needed comfortably living and your family member was outside and they just saw them standing outside and they never invited them in, how would you feel, you know? And I, that's how I kind of think of the gospel now. Um, it, really, it really is painful probably to God's heart to see one of his children on one hand, you know, relatively okay. And his other children on the other hand, just going through so many different things. And it's one thing to go through things with Jesus. How many people can testify to that? <laughs> Jesus gets us through a lot. But it's another thing to go through things without Jesus. Um, so I just want to encourage everyone. Um, God, he, he wants us to step out of our world, no matter how painful our world is. Um, this year, I'm not going to lie, has been probably the most difficult year in my life. Um, not just because of school, but a lot of other things. But there's been so much consistency, especially each week. When I go out to give out the great controversy, we have break weeks. We have um, weeks where we just bond and retreat like Christ did. But honestly, active ministry, there's something about it. There's something about it that transforms your life. So this is the last... Um, uh, slide. Um, just this friend, you know, we don't know what he's going through. We don't know what's going on on his face, um, but he's in the cold, and God wants us to just step out, reach out, and touch people. So I'm just asking you, um, is there anything that God has ever touched you with, Any, anyone that he's ever asked you to, to minister to, and you know you missed it, and you're not going to guilt yourself about it, but he's touching you, and you're asking him, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? Respond to that call. Tell him, Lord, I want to do whatever you want me to. And whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it by your grace. And see what he does. And there's a special promise that um, probably encapsulates what I went through this year and what sometimes I struggle with. Psalms 25, verse 7 to 9. It's David, and the very first phrase is really touching to me because I, I struggled a lot with this last year because sometimes I feel like all of a sudden everything that I've ever done that I feel horrible about comes to mind. And I don't want to go out if I'm a hypocrite. That's just, you know, how sensitive I am. But I thank God that we have a great Savior who died for me, that I can claim the promises that I'm forgiven, and I can share that peace with others. And so David, he shares Psalms 25, verse 7, Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me, for thy goodness sake, O Lord. And then verse 8, it says, good and upright is the Lord. Amen? God is a good God. And because he's a good God, the verse continues, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. It doesn't say he might teach. It says he what? He will teach because he's a good God. He loves us. He knows we're sinners, but he's a greater savior. And the last verse um, is really, really encouraging to me. It says, the meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek he will teach his way. Um, yeah, when I think of Meek, I think of a baby in a, in a father's arms, just, just helpless. <laughs> Anybody ever feel helpless sometimes? Like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And God promises, yeah, if that's your attitude towards life, he'll guide you. He'll guide you in judgment, you know? 
He won't just call you to, to look like a fool. He'll actually give you reasoning powers, give you things, facts. And like Andrew said, he'll send people. He's already sent people and has them set up for you to work with, to do the work that he's set up so long ago to finish. So just want to encourage you with that and really just ask, you know, if you've been touched by this presentation that, you know what, Lord, I want to do whatever you ask me to do. I want to be a part of this movement to set this world on fire where I am. And I just, I just ask if you raise your hand. And if that's your prayer, you can just pray. And I know God will take it. Um, it's not a hand signal that will make this uh, dream or this prayer happen, but it's God's Holy Spirit, amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done this year. Um, just showing so many of us, Lord, in our group, seeing the members, just transformed God and seeing the people we've reached transformed God by prayer, by your book, Lord. Um, so many powerful testimonies, God, too many to count. But God, there was more. There's so many more, so much more people, Lord, that are just seeking you, Lord, and asking, Lord, what is going on in the world? Lord, I want to be ready when you come. Or is there even a God? And Lord, you've given us books, you've given us resources, you've given us words that we can share with these people, God. And so, Lord, I know sometimes um, for me, it's, it's difficult to look past myself and look at you, Lord. But that's the exact remedy for our situation, God. Help us to look at you, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. Help us to look at you, the Holy Spirit, God, who is saving the world. You just ask us to, um, to just co be co-workers with you, Lord. Help that every single person in this room that raised their hand, Lord, that you will guide them in judgment, teach them your way. That they won't look back, Lord, but like Paul, they'll look forward towards your cross, God, and trust you with the results. Help us all, Lord, to be willing to do whatever you ask us to do. To always ask, what would Jesus do, Lord? And follow through with it and leave the results in your hand. We thank you, Lord, for the testimonies before and the testimonies to come. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.